This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. My New York Jets beating the Buffalo Bills, a team that everyone was calling the best team in football, going to the Super Bowl, and that still could be true, but at least for the moment we can celebrate how the Jets beat them today uh, courtesy of a game-winning field goal. Uh, Buffalo had a chance to win it, but Sauce Gardner wanted none of that. Broke up the final play. Jets go on to be victorious. Speaking of the field goal, here was uh, Bob Wischusen on the call. So here we go. Zerline from 28 yards out to give the Jets the lead. Minute 45 on the clock out of the hold of Braden Mann. The snap high, the placement down, the kick is up, and it is down the middle and good. What a job by Braden Mann to pull down a high snap and get it set for Zerline, who puts it through. 1.43 to go in the game. See, I was so nervous because the the same old Jet uh, mantra lives inside of you, even if you're experiencing prosperity. And at that moment, I'm like, this is a chip shot field goal. Something inevitably is going to go wrong. A botch snap, you know, blocked field goal. Something's going to happen. Penalty, something's going to go wrong. And something did go wrong. It was a high snap. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. But credit to uh, Brandon Mann and Zerline. They were able to, to, to get that through the upright. So the Jets took the lead there 20-17. to 17, But Buffalo uh, did have an opportunity to either tie the game or win the game. No timeouts, got the ball back, and here was the final call. After the Jet timeout on defense, here we go. Crowd going wild, 33 seconds to go in the game. The Jets lead by three, fourth and 21, as Allen drops back to throw at his own five-yard line, scrambling to his left, buying time, looking downfield. Leaves a bomb for Davis. Sauce Gardner's there, and it's knocked away. Sauce Gardner in position on knocks it away, and the Jets are going to take a knee and win it here at MetLife Stadium. Oh, what a call from Bob Rashusen right here on 98.7 ESPN. He is fantastic. He's awesome. Love listening to Bob Rashusen and Marty Lyons on the call every Sunday. Uh, those guys are awesome. Jets win the game 20-17, to and it's the biggest game since when? I'm asking you, Jet fans, 800-919-3776. So, Joe, we entertained that we could go all the way back to the playoffs in 2010, uh, the, you know, can't wait game. But maybe you can even say 2015, the overtime win against the Giants. Uh, I'm sorry, the overtime win against the the Patriots with Decker, 26-20, I believe was the final score of that day because they were on on their way back to the playoffs until Buffalo happened. Yeah, you could say that. You, I mean, they also beat the Giants in that season. Yeah, they uh, beat the season. Giants the week before. Was it the week before? I, it was so long ago that I, I just – they all all, the, all those wins meshed together except for that loss in Buffalo when you know, all we had to do was beat Buffalo and we're in, and uh, it's the same old Jets. So probably since that 15 win against the, uh, the Patriots in overtime, the, the Decker overtime touchdown, but – I don't know. It's close to the can't wait Bart Scott game. It's real close, and that's saying something about the, the state of this franchise. It is. So I just pulled it up. So that the, the uh, December six, twenty fifteen, uh, the Jets beat the Giants in overtime, twenty three twenty. That was the final score that we were talking about. They went on to beat the Titans and the Cowboys in back to back weeks. Then week sixteen, they beat the Patriots in overtime. So there was a. 
three games of separation between the Giants uh, that went over the Giants and that went over the pa- Patriots. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting emotional talking about it. It's been so long. Seven years. We're talking seven years. Biggest win in seven years? Yeah. Man, we've been put through some bad football. Yeah, and it's even worse, you know, when, you know, the you, you put on top of that the Adam Gase years. It feels like 15. It really <laughs> does. It feels so long ago since this team was relevant. And to this was a game that nobody, not even – not even Jet fans thought that they could win this game. So to win it in that fashion, it's it's tremendous. It's unbelievable. They were 10.5-point underdogs coming into today. And to your point, no confidence whatsoever in a team that just last week lost to Mac Jones and the Patriots. And it's not that the Patriots stink, but it's the way that they lost. Where Zach Wilson throws for three interceptions, the offense did nothing. You've got injuries to Corey Davis, Brees Hall, Elijah Barrett Tucker. And the, you you had every reason to believe that the Jets were just not going to have enough because even a fully healthy Jets team would be tough to argue. They, they, they'd be able to beat Buffalo, a fully healthy Jets team. So for them to come in with, you know, a lot of their, their pieces out off of that rough game last week, it, it, it's hard to really see them winning the game. But this, 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 this is what happened for them. And they were able to get it done. So Zach Wilson, after the game, was asked, did this win feel good after all the criticism he received? I mean, of course it feels good, but because of what we did, I don't really care what anybody says, of course. Uh, you've been dealing with that my whole life. So, uh, But what a huge team win. I think the guys came out, balled out. Um, you saw what our defense did, getting the takeaways. Not only, you know, I get the strip sack right there, and, you know, it sucks. We had points. They come back out, get another turnover for us. Huge plays by those guys. And then, uh, you know, uh, showing up with the run game there on that last drive, just pounding those guys all the way down the field was huge as well. So uh, excited for all, for all three phases. Really cool. Ty, isn't it the most Jets thing to do though that that we were expected to beat the Patriots last week, three game winning streak? Oh, it's not the same old Jets. We're gonna exercise the demons against the Patriots, get embarrassed the way we do. Zach Wilson looks like he's the same quarterback that he was at BYU. And then to come back and win win this game, isn't it the, the most Jets thing that you think could happen? It is the most Jets thing that, th- that I think could happen. Also, the most Jets thing that could happen. So you come out of the half, and they're rolling on offense. They get the ball first. They are rolling. Uh, they converted a, a faked punt. They, they are on their way to punching it into the end zone. And all of a sudden, the, the sky cam starts malfunctioning, so we get a 10-minute game delay. And then penalty, strip sack. That same old Jets. I mean, the Jets, they were rolling. And then right on cue, because everyone's like, well, this is a win for the Buffalo defense because they're resting, and the Jets were, it's going to knock them out of sync. And then right on cue, penalty, strip sack. No points. So they're down 14-10. Here's a chance to either inch closer with a, a, at least three points or take the lead, penalty strip sack. That's same old Jets. That was same old Jets. That, that to me, I, I was beside myself. But to their credit, they responded. Josh Allen throws an interception to Sauce Gardner. They come back and they take the lead uh, on the, um, what was it, the Matt Robinson touchdown. So that, that was... Uh, that was something to behold. Here's Robert Sala on that final drive. Credit to our offense. Uh, credit to Mike to stick with it and to continue to, you know, when, you know, we always challenge our old line to make it so demonstrative that the coordinator has to call a run play. 
and I thought um, the push, uh, I thought our backs were seeing seeing it really well. We were breaking tackles, our receivers were blocking, and um, and when we needed a third down conversion, Mims was played big boy ball on the slant, and, and Zach delivered a strike to, to allow us to take another couple minutes off the ball off, off the clock. So, just a really well executed drive um, on every from everyone on offense. Yeah, the offense did well. The defense did its part. It, the Jets found this stat surprising. Learned this today, courtesy of CBS. The best fourth quarter differential in the NFL belonged to the New York Jets. Now today they led entering that final frame. 17-14, then the Bills ended up tying the game. But the Jets have been pretty resilient in fourth quarters, and Salah talked about them continuing to come from behind this season. We don't flinch. We're, I think we're too young to flinch. And um, uh, yeah, just a belief, you know, just in preparation that we believe we can we can win, and if we just go 60 minutes. And uh, like I've said it before, we, our three preseason wins were in the fourth quarter. And um, there's just a belief that if you just give us time or you just if we if we have a play to play, uh, we're going to treat that play like a championship moment. We're going to do our best, do our best. And um, and I feel like they've got that mindset. Yeah. So the caller brought up Salah earlier and his theatrics and how energized he is on the sidelines. And all I would say is it works when you're winning, because if you you're one in eight, no one's going to love that. People are going to say you're doing too much. You're going to hear all types of criticism because your team's not winning. Things become sexier when you start winning games. That That's the ultimate cure for everything, and it all becomes much more grander and much more attractive. When the relationship is going well, it's all sexy and you know, you're know you flying high. But you start losing and things aren't going so well, people are going to be critical of, well, he's too emotional on the sidelines. He should be more focused on practice and penalty. Like he's going to hear all the criticisms. Uh, but credit to him. you know, he, He's done an excellent job coaching his team this year. And he's definitely going to be in that coach of the year conversation. If the Jets continue to win games when they weren't expect, expected to be this good, he is going to, to be in that coach of the year conversation. More of your phone calls coming up on the Jets. 800-919-3776. The Titans capitalizing on a Patrick Mahomes interception now lead the Chiefs 17-9 to in the third quarter. That third quarter, uh, about seven minutes expired in the third quarter. So I'll continue to keep you posted on that. We'll run through the NFL. Still got to hit on baseball and basketball. So much to do. We're going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We are watching the Titans and Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Mahomes every week just makes throws that you're just like, man, no one else can make that throw. And sometimes you just you watch him and you think, <laughs> Does he have a chance to become the greatest quarterback of all time? Like it sounds hyperbolic, but with the talent there, uh, you know, he puts together a couple of Super Bowl runs. Just from a talent perspective, I don't think I've ever seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. Like the throws that he makes across his body, like defying, it defies logic, it defies science. He's just incredible. Mahomes is just outstanding. Uh, but the Jets won today, twenty to seventeen. So we're reacting to that. Let's listen to Zach Wilson when he discusses the final drive. 
Yeah, you play with what's going, you know, and there was a couple of them where maybe I had some options to throw it there, but when I see how well the run game's going, I'm just going to keep feeding them until something changes, you know. And, uh, you know, I think we were able to go all the way down the field until we had that one with Mims there at the end. So um, relying on those guys, you could see the momentum. You could see the guys up front, you know, they wanted it. They wanted to keep running the ball. You know, you could see the big guys up front were getting after it. Great win for the Jets today. Great win for the Jets. Zach Wilson uh, did what he needed to do, and it's all you can ask for. Don't. I, I didn't love the turnover on the strip sack. Von Miller caught him on a blind side uh, when he was that that red zone drive right after the sky cam malfunction. It cost the Jets three points, and I was so annoyed by it because it's just it's typical Zach Wilson. And I saw people making excuses where it's the blind side, didn't see him, but it's just a situation where you can't turn the ball over. I get it, I get it, but you can't turn the ball over. And for the most part, after that, he, he played pretty sensationally. So you got to give him credit for that. Spike's in St. Peter wants to talk. What's up, Spike? Yeah, I got a little energy left in me. First of all, uh, I'm not a big football fan, but I'm a big Thai and Buddha and Ira fan. You guys are all family to me. And I was really happy for you. But but you know how much of a fan I am of yours from day one. And you just said something three or four calls back, I forget. Some some guy around my age, maybe a little younger, everyone's younger than me, uh, said he saw a name. Remember that call? Yes, he did. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. And you slowed him down. You put you put the brakes on him, <laughs> you know. And that's fine. That's fine. The Buddha says it best because you know we we're, we're in touch a lot. And he says that, that uh, Wilson's too small. He shouldn't have been drafted. Now, look, Wilson. He played okay today. If he's kept in check and played well, and the defense keeps it up, and they ever get the running back, you know, you got something there. But here, the guy before who talked, he said, uh, you're supposed to beat the New England, you, you lose to Buffalo. You never know. It's football, man. The Jets have a very good defense. This guy's a defensive coach. Very, I thought I didn't watch a game, and then Buddha was telling me, you know, I was following his dialogue along that he puts out, and then I watched a, a quick version of it. You know, you speed it up. And it looked to me the Jets were very unimaginative on offense, and that's fine if you keep the guy from turning the ball over. You know, and you were right too. I said, "What's the delay here?" I kept calling, and the sky cam. You explained oh my it God. to me. It just but, uh, made, it made, made, drove me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the Sixer fans uh, uh, felt when uh, Kawhi made the shot. You know, laying on his ass. But now it happens. It happens. You live long enough, you see it all. But look, look. You're a Laker and Yankee fan, and Jets probably your third team. I'm just guessing on that, but uh, I may be right. And I'm basketball, uh, baseball guy. Yeah, but uh, football's just you know, it's it's been always difficult for me to get into football because I had a real good friend really get you know wound up in a bad spot, almost like Eric Legrand. So it's always been a little in back. Cheat to me, but I appreciate the game. You know, accidents happen. But I thought the Jets, it, it just seemed that in the speeded up version, which I had the luxury to go back and forth, I, I, you know, I said, what happened? How do you lose the ball? Strip sack. It's a game, man. You're going to beat the team you're not supposed to, and then you're going to lose to the team. You know, you can't figure this stuff out, Ty. Yeah. You just got to roll with it and hope. It's and- a roller coaster, but when you are. A good team, which we projected the Jets to to be Part last week. Yeah, but yeah. no, I'm saying like uh, once we got past that, and we're mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah. the Jets could be a pretty good team. That last week, that's a game you got to win. But uh, they made up for it today, so I, I can't really. 
Yeah. Hey, I, I can't really get too upset because uh, this, uh, last week was a game they were supposed to win. Today was the yeah. games they were supposed to lose. The Cleveland <laughs> game, when they came back and won that 31-30, to 30, down 13 in the final two minutes of the game, that was a game they were supposed to lose. So yeah. uh, you, you take what you can get. You take no, your 6-3 and, and you roll into the bye week. I see the smile on your face. One quick thing on Kyrie, because you and I hoops guys first. Listen, and I discuss this with a lot of people. I got a wide breadth of friends in this world, and uh, everybody's a little different, but everybody's really the same. You can't think you're smarter than everybody else. Kanye is a bad comparison because he's just out and out hits. You know, uh, he probably hates everybody, but, you know, he probably hates himself sometimes. I, I can't, I don't stay away from that stuff. I, I lived through the 60s, trust me. But, what Kyrie did really bothered me on one front. I know you're going to get into it, and I'll probably listen to it tomorrow. I'm disappointed in Adam Silver. I really was. I, I don't go for the, you know, uh, Shaq and kids. They, they're showmen. They do what they think. They say one thing, one thing. They're fine. They're entertainers. But I was very disappointed because Joe Sy owns the Nets, and Adam Silver, it was like they were like a little kid. You know, you catch Donovan right on the wall with a crayon. He says, I didn't do it, you know. It's the same thing. What do you, what, who's moving first here? Well, someone move. You can't let him get away with this. And, and I think he's, he's probably not going to suit up for the Nets again because once the ADL gives the money back, man, that's, that's a death sentence, I think. But he's a great basketball player. But I'll tell you, you get a lot of baggage. I appreciate the call, Spike. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I do want to get into the Kyrie Irving stuff. We still have to talk about baseball, the Astros winning the World Series last night, and just from a Yankee perspective, like how we should feel. I'm a Yankee fan, and I want to get your thoughts on it, all the Yankee fans out there. Just watching the Astros celebrate last night, which, by the way, I turned it off. I just couldn't stomach it. It's, It's just nauseating. And... I'm someone who does not like the Houston Astros. 2015 knocked the Yankees out the playoffs. 2017 did so. 2019 did so. And then this year, probably of all the years, was the most embarrassing because 2015 is a one-game playoff. You get blanked by Dallas Keuchel. And that, at, that, at that point, one of the best pitchers in baseball. 2017, you get to seven games. 2016, you get to six games and you lose on a walk-off home run. This year, to get swept by the Astros, disgraceful. So I do want to have a conversation about, because sometimes in real time, like once the Yankees lose to the Astros, you feel one way. Once you see the Astros go on to win the World Series, maybe it can enhance or change your opinion to some degree. So I still want to talk about baseball and do go around the NFL. But Kyrie Irving, got to delve into that next. Just because, I mean... All the people who prior to essentially him being forced into an apology, all the people who expected him to to apologize just hadn't been paying attention to Kyrie Irving the previous six years. We'll talk about that coming up. Ty Butler on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Got a chance to talk about the Jets and celebrate what was a monumental win. Big statement game for the organization, for the franchise, for the coaches, for everyone involved. And we get to sit on that for the next two weeks. Got a bye coming up this Sunday and then the following week there in Foxborough to try to right what was wrong when they lost to Mac Jones just last Sunday. But to a more serious topic, Kyrie Irving. 
And I was just so confused by all the people who expected him to administer an apology. Like, have you been watching Kyrie Irving the last six years? Has anything about Kyrie told you he is someone who wants to be told what to do? Who wants to be ordered to to apologize for wrongdoings, especially when, in his mind, he doesn't see it as any wrongdoing? Let's just go through Kyrie Irving's timeline. Final season with the Cavs. We saw a report that prior to him being traded because he demanded a trade, a Cavs team that all they did was go to the finals. They won in 2016, overcoming a 3-1 deficit. You got arguably the greatest player of all time as your teammate, and he wanted no, no part of that. Wanted a trade, but you're free to, to do what you please with your career. You got your championship, one of the big, hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. Have your career end the way that you want. Demanded a trade. There were reports that during practice, Ty Lue wanted to run plays, and Kyrie just said, Nah, don't feel like doing that. Ask, asking him to get people involved. Asking him to be a leader. And he just wanted no part of it. Never apologized for that. He gets traded to the Celtics, a team that everyone was high on in the preseason. To at the very least get to the conference finals and make some noise into the Eastern Conference Finals. They ended up getting waxed by the Bucks. Remember that year, Kyrie Irving calling out his teammates. These guys just don't know, and I'm paraphrasing, these guys just don't know what it takes to win. They're young. All right, my dude, you came over here to show them the ropes. You had to learn how to win. How about you be a leader? Lead by example. Never apologize for that. Gets to Brooklyn. Has injuries, skips the bubble. Okay, was the first year didn't go as expected. Kevin Durant was out. Kyrie had injuries. Then last year we were dealing with the vaccination situation. And he watched Durant, run, Durant, his friend, a guy who he loves, run himself into the ground playing heavy minutes because he decided he didn't want to get the vaccination so he couldn't play in home games. Couldn't play at the Barclays Center. Presumably watching his best friend go out there and literally run himself into the ground to the point where he got hurt. Kyrie didn't apologize for that. Throughout his career, he's done things questionable, controversial. He's never apologized for it. Kyrie does what he wants to do, doesn't care what you think about it. So the idea that we expected to expected him to find Christ and to offer up some apology just never made sense to me. Now, he ended up doing so after he got suspended, but prior to that, before his feet actually got held to the fire, I didn't expect him to come and apologize. That's just not who he is. He thinks that he's smarter than everyone else and that we're all peasants and pawns. And he shows up to the press conference, and it just made no sense when he's asked about why he retweeted a movie that had had anti-Semitic tropes in it. Just, just, just treated treated the media like they were beneath him. I don't owe you an explanation. You wouldn't understand. I don't need you to understand. So the way he operates, the way he moves, like he's just so above everyone and everything, 
I just never I, I never thought he was going to apologize. That was that was the last thing I expected from him. I think Kyrie and I and if I had to guess, Kyrie Irving, that movie, I don't think he actually watched the whole thing. I I don't think he watched the whole thing, but he doesn't have enough pride to come out there and say, you know what, I apologize. I, I didn't watch it I, I didn't watch it in depth enough. Clearly there were some things in there that were offensive and that were heinous that I did not agree with at all. And I'm gonna delete this tweet. I, I don't think people should watch this movie because it's promoting falsehoods and it's very offensive to the Jewish community. It's very offensive to everyone involved. And, you know, that's just not something that I, I wanna make myself a part of. But I apologize. Easy. He was never gonna do that because he doesn't want to be told what to do. So that's Kyrie Irving in a nutshell. And now he's been suspended for what the Nets are calling at least five games. And he has a couple of steps that he has to, you know, go through in order to be invited back to the team. I thought it was it was very strong when they said that a part of the statement that, you know, essentially he didn't deserve to be associated with the team's brand. That was a strong stance from the from the Nets. So he has to now apologize and condemn the movie. He has to make a $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, which, by the way, he did donate $500,000 to the ADL, but they rejected it. He also has to go to, through sensitivity tra- training, anti-Semitic training. He has to meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders. He has to meet with Josiah, who he consistently ignored after the matter. There was a report uh, that they put together at ESPN. I believe Ramona Shelbourne had reported Josiah repeatedly tried to get in touch with him, and Kyrie just ignored him. That just shows you how blatantly disrespectful this guy is. He doesn't care. I'm still not and He did issue an apology on Twitter. I'm still not convinced he's apologetic at all or that he has any ounce of contrition. But there are the six steps that he has to go through in order to to return back to the team. He's already missed two games. And by the way, the Nets have won those two games, so they're now four and six. And presumably he would return uh, next Sunday in L.A. against the Lakers, which is you know a big coincidence. But that's if he is actually returning after five games. The Nets in their statement said at least five games, so I guess... We are going to, you know, see whether or not he goes through these six steps in the five games. But Kyrie, it's just so sad because here's a guy who actually does have a semblance of an education, but he just talks down to people. He's so condescending. And I'm all for, you know, wanting to, you know, discover your, your you, you know, your your upbringing and educate yourself on on American and world history and do deep dives and research. I'm all for that, man. Education is is an awesome thing. But when you're going to you know go out there and use your platform to promote hate, that's just reprehensible. And the fact that you're going to double down on it and say you guys are making me bigger than what it is. How how am I promoting it? Dude, you've got millions of followers on your Twitter. And we've seen the numbers of viewers should jump on this on this documentary on Amazon ever since you tweeted it out. You've got a lot of power as a celebrity. Your platform is huge. 
So yes, when you put something on your social media, that's promoting it. And he wants to act all confused. Why do you guys think I'm promoting it? Because that's what you're doing. And in one instance, he says he wants to be an influence to you know people in his community. But then minutes later during the press conference, he's like, I'm just like everyone else. You guys are giving me too much power, essentially. Come on, dude, you're talking circles. You don't make any sense. You don't make any sense. So it was very disgusting to see what Kyrie Irving did and the lack of an apology immediately, the lack of accountability and pretending that the media was the one making a big deal of this. And I thought Nick Ferdell did an excellent job pressing him during the press conference. And for them to ask you, are you anti-Semitic? And you to not have it say, no, I'm not. Like, dude, that's so easy to say. No, I'm not. For you to talk around it, I mean, it's gross, bro. It's gross. I'm I'm so sick of you know, all this controversy with Kyrie Irving. If the Nets had to do it all, all over again, they would not have signed this guy because all he has brought since he's been on this team is drama, vaccination, injuries and now this he's not even worth it because I look I'll tell you Kyrie great scorer but he's also overrated like these guys throw around superstar just so liberally he's a superstar Kyrie Irving is not a superstar as a scorer yes one of the best in the game no question ball handling incredible he's not a superstar and that's what people make excuses for him because they you know, consider him to be a superstar. He's not a superstar. He's an excellent scorer and a ball handler. But when he's not doing that, he's not really doing much for you. He doesn't make his teammates better. When's, when's the last time Kyrie Irving was the best player on a really good team? He can't take a, a cast of characters around uh, and, and elevate them. He's not a superstar. Let's leave superstar for Luka and Giannis. And John Morant and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Let's leave superstar for those guys. Not a superstar. He's a really good player who's a tad bit overrated. And as far as I'm concerned, might have played his last game in the Nets uniform. More of your phone calls coming up when we get back on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going on to a midnight. Listen, I, I got to be honest. It, it's what I do. I'm candid. I don't feel badly for Kyrie Irving. I mean, listen, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You, you have a platform. You, you want to be someone who is educating the masses. Don't be sloppy and irresponsible and retweet documentaries that contain falsehoods alluding to the Holocaust not being exactly what we, we were taught. Uh, that's offensive, and when people call for you to apologize, admit that, A, you didn't watch it, or B, admit your wrongdoing. I didn't watch the documentary. I didn't see that, that that's what was happening. I apologize. It was irresponsible. Uh, I do not support any of that. I'm going to remove it from my Twitter, and there you go. You move on. But Kyrie Irving is too prideful for any of that. He he does not see wrongdoing in, in anything that takes place. And look, the vaccination thing last year, I'm a proponent of you doing whatever it is you want with your own body. I, I, I'm not 
heavy on the forcing people to take vaccine thing. But what I will say is when you are a basketball player in a team sport and your team needs you to compete for a championship, you've got to do that. Everyone else was able to do it. Look, Andrew Wiggins last year was in the same situation in Golden State, was not willing to take the vaccine, decided, you know what, i got to help my team win a championship, and guess who was the second best player in the finals for the Warriors en route to winning a championship? That's Andrew Wiggins. you got to be a good teammate. Sometimes you have to put your you know, individual beliefs aside for the good of the, the profession that you're in, especially when you're playing in a team sport. And last year, what he did, allowing his best friend to go out there and play heavy minutes and root to being injured, was, was very selfish. And I thought that at some point when, when the Nets were struggling with all those injuries, he was going to say, you know what, I got to get out there for my guys. And it never happened. Chased James Harden out of town, and then chased Kevin Durant to the bench with an injury. So that was a bad job by Kyrie Irving last year. And then this year, it was so funny. Did you hear, oh, Joe, did you hear all the people before the season who were just, what's the word I want to use? Let's just say not bright when entertaining this idea that Kyrie could win the MVP this year. It was so asinine. Kyrie, who's never received a single MVP vote, first place, second place, third place, fourth place, fifth place, in his whole career, never received an MVP vote, never been the best player on a successful team, had zero reason to trust him after what we've seen so far here in Brooklyn. People thought that he could put together a campaign good enough to be the MVP of the league? I don't know what part of Nets Twitter that you were a part of, because I'm a part of Nets Twitter, and I didn't see that. So... I, especially with KD on his team. So even mathematically, if KD has somewhat of a good season, they're going to split votes. Exactly. So it made no sense. It makes, no, it, doesn't make, it makes less than zero sense. You're not going to be on a – let's just say the, the Nets went out there and won 65 games this year. Kevin, it means Kevin Durant was special. You're not winning the MVP over Kevin Durant. And a league with Luka – Giannis, Embiid, John Morant, Steph Curry. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Tatum, guys. Jokic might have a better chance of winning three in a row than Kyrie would ever have at winning an MVP. And and, Zo- and Jokic, by the way, had a 0% chance of winning three in a row because voters were going to hold the playoff failures against him in the regular season voting, fairly or unfairly. But, I mean, the Kyrie MVP noise just made absolutely no sense. Back to the phones we go. Jay in Brooklyn wants to chop it up. What's up, Jay? Hey, how you doing, boss? Um, Brooklyn, next situation. Kevin Durant is in a tough bind because he doesn't really have much to speak about, it, even though him and Kyrie is close. But I will say one thing with the uh, whole posting his platform, Amazon thing, the documentary. Yeah. He does not. He does not own Amazon. So somebody does own Amazon and is profiting off this documentary that's so offensive to a certain mm-hmm. particular group of people. So, I mean, shouldn't that energy be put towards that? I think that those things don't have to be mutually exclusive, and then people pretend to in a in a in an effort to deter the conversation away from Kyrie Irving. Like, if, if you want to say 
and not in a defense of Kyrie, that Amazon should be receiving some heat for this doc- documentary. I'm all for that because I, I, I agree. Like, this this shouldn't be something that we're broadcasting to the masses when it clearly contains falsehoods that are so despicable and offensive. Uh, it, it should not be allowed to be sold and broadcast on, on, on any platform. But, th- again, those things aren't mutually exclusive. I think both parties can be receiving heat for it. Right. This just just to be fair, if we're talking about talking about fairness, because it seems to me that, again, it's he he tweeted out about it. He didn't say he believed every single thing in it. Yeah. It was but, just, I mean, come on, man. We can't play that game where it's he, he, he tweeted about it, but didn't say he believed everything in it. If that's how people are going to take it. And then when asked about it. So let's just pretend that we can go with what you're saying. He didn't say he believed. He was asked about it and, and never said, yeah, that's, I didn't believe everything else in it. He didn't offer that as an explanation. He was asked multiple times, why did you retweet this? And he never gave that as an explanation. Never gave that. He gave an explanation, but the meanings behind the explanation wasn't so noticeable. If you read between the lines of what he was saying, the only way you were able to read between the lines is if you saw the documentary, which was most of it was pretty bad. It was awful. He has to come out. And look, when you're asked a question, are are you anti-Semitic and you can't give me a straight answer about it? Something's wrong with that. Like that. It's a a huge problem. Yeah, that's that's he should have said something immediately. But. Again, I just I'm just saying be fair. He doesn't own a platform where it is being promoted and profited off of. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I and I appreciate the call, Jay. I, I just w- want to be clear. Listen, if you want to have some heat for Amazon, I'm I'm totally with you. I, I don't necessarily think that that's something that we should we should be publicating. I I I think that especially when it contains falsehoods. I mean, listen, you got to take it down. But Kyrie Irving, that's not a defense. And ignorance is not a defense either. And when, you're, when you've been given multiple opportunities to apologize, to admit that you were wrong, and you didn't see it to do so, can't defend you anymore, my brother. Can't do it. When someone asks you if you are anti-Semitic and you can't give me a straight answer and say no, can't defend you. Because, look, as a black man, if, if someone's asked, are you racist? Are you anti-black? And the person's like, listen, I can't be anti-black if you know my roots. Listen, I, I need a, a direct answer. Based on your actions, we need to be led to believe otherwise. Can you answer the question, yes or no? And Kyrie Irving couldn't do it. That's a problem. Don't feel bad for him at all. As I said before, play stupid games Win stupid prizes. One more hour coming up here on the program. Back to the Jets. We'll talk Yankees as well. Throw in a little bit of Knicks action right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.